Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio Show 317, Diverse Thinking and Why It Should Be Celebrated. And today we're going to be talking about the dangers of hive mind and only hiring people you personally like as opposed to for their competence and the truth about only hiring people that don't rock the boat. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is Jay Monks, screenwriter, director, founder of Written Mirror Limited. Welcome, Jay. Great to have you with me. Hello, Joe. Thank you for having me. Lovely. So start telling us a bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll sort of dig into the topic for today. No problem. Uh, my name, as you've already heard, is Jay Mullings. I am an award-winning, well, multiple award-winning writer and filmmaker, writer-director. Uh, I own Written Mirror Limited, which I run myself, and I am a two-time published author of the Fort Book series, the Fort Book 1 and the Fort Book 2. Uh, that's the most, uh, I, I guess what you would call my skill set when you round it all up is what um, is a content creator. I'm able yeah. to go from the full distance from um, idea um, ideation to written ideas to photography, filming, editing, the whole nine yards plus sound, music and the rest of it. So yeah, content creator is probably the best way of summing up what I do. Lovely, cool. So we're going to be talking about um, hive mind and about the sort of people that you uh, recruit and, and how that works within organisations or doesn't work within organisations. Um, what, what about before we start the connection you have with organisations? So I'm presuming you create content for organisations. What uh, what other sort of connections? <laughs> That's correct. Uh, creating content, editing content, coming up with solutions to problems, issues, or ways of disseminating messages. So, mm -hmm. at, you know, at best, I'm a storyteller. So if you think of any type of issue a company might have in terms of communicating either within or externally, it normally mm -hmm. boils down to how a story is related to other people. And that's yeah. usually yeah. where I come in. And, you know, that's where my expertise lies in. Lovely, lovely. So today we're talking about uh, the dangers of hive mind and only hiring people that you like um, rather than to do with competence and um, also about hiring people that, that don't rock the boat. So um, let's start by talking about what hive mind is. <laughs> hive mind essentially is where you get a there's like this one central idea that everybody holds and anyone who doesn't hold this, you know, this central idea is seen as, you know, um, evil or, um, or, you know, almost, um, you know, to be seen to be like disrespectful or not, not, not holding the same core values as the other people because they don't share this idea. Hive mind is essentially when one idea is all that's allowed to permeate the group. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. must follow and, you know, dance to the, the, the beat of this drum and nothing else. Mm -hmm. No one should ever question anything outside of it. No one should ever wonder. Everyone should just blindly follow. That's what essentially how I see um, hive mind, essentially. Yeah. And and that that could be sort of seen as, as the sort of 
sort of the negative side of thinking about company culture and and sort of having one vision for your organization because you know if 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 you talk to organizations about you know what they're here for and what they're doing then there's often a discussion around what could be perceived to be that sort of hive mind uh, issue but it's it's positioned in sort of positive this is what we need to sort of terms so where is that difference? How, where's the difference between having a real positive sort of future that we're all aiming towards the same thing, um, as opposed to we're all sort of stuck in in one type of sort of mindset, I suppose. So what you said, what I thought was um, was was quite astute when you used the word culture, because that seems to be what people use to justify this kind of closed mindedness to every mm. any other types of ideas. So they use the word culture a lot, which is almost it can almost serve as a double-edged sword culture is important in terms of everyone being on the same page but it's also it's it's a bad thing when it's used to outwardly you know leave behind anyone who thinks about doing things differently and I think that's the difference between all wanting you know a, a positive a positive outcome for something or, or or moving forwards positively and then just blindly following one way because that's all someone has ever known we're all capable of learning from other people and evolving. And I think that is the danger of kind of hive mind. And then that's where you kind of draw the line between culture and something that pretty much harms the future of a said company's direction or the kind of people that they attract going forwards. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of a, sort of a, a, a I don't know if it's dichotomy or is it a dilemma um, at all times on that basis really isn't it that that we want we probably most organizations would say that they want people who you know can think outside the box and all the other cliches about being innovative and and different and yet as we've said in the uh, sort of intro quite often we do end up recruiting people who are like us because there's a tendency to recruit people who we like as again we said in in that introduction a lot of what what counts as likable qualities is are things that have no kind of impact or any kind of um they have no bearing on the on on the company's mission or where they're trying to get to and Mm -hmm. i understand from the point of view of being the person who has to make the decision that you would rather work with someone who's easy to get along with easy to speak to easy to communicate with um but we have to we have to almost you know ask ourselves the question is this the best person to do the job? Can they actually do the job? Because you can have quiet geniuses who don't say much, but they're very good at application. You can have other people that are probably aren't the most assertive in terms of making their voices heard in meetings, but they're thinking people, they're thinking of how to kind of address the problems that you're that you know that the organization is facing. And all I'm kind of saying is that a lot of the time it's getting lost in translation that if somebody has doesn't have the you know the outwardly social um component to their persona that they're immediately almost written off because they're not as likable and they use words like culture to kind of justify that and this is where i'm like you're missing out on some very talented and capable people because the question that you should always be asking yourself is can this person do the job mm-hmm. there's quite a movement around and um, the whole concept of um introvert extrovert in organizations uh, at the moment in a similar sort of vein as you say which is that the, the sort of world seems to be set up for the people who sort of present as more extroverted and and are therefore more sort of naturally noisy and 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 out there and and quite 
sometimes and you know this is a number of people are presenting you know doing interviews presentations and that sort of thing on this topic you know they're saying exactly what you've just said that sometimes you know the people who are quiet reflective and and thinking about things are probably much more useful in that moment but you just don't always see that uh, because of exactly what what you've just said but then i feel like you know hiring is one of those um it's one of those functions of employment or you know in an organization in a business that a lot of people don't necessarily know how to hire properly they don't know mm -hmm. what they're looking for in terms of, even when you look at these job specs that have like these overarching um specifications of what you should be able to do it's like if this person existed they wouldn't be looking for this job you would be able to find them just like that you know yeah. but so it's 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 one of those things where i feel like a lot a lot more consideration needs to be taken and just a, just a bit more care to think about you know who can do this job the best or you know even looking at yourself and saying what kind of manager or what kind of leader am i and then understanding that you know there's an ideal person that you're looking for but that person might not exist and still have the you know the the technical or or soft skills that you're looking for as long as you yeah. have an appreciation of that then i feel like you're your your mind is open enough to find the right person who can do the job and maybe learn other soft skills, maybe learn to be more assertive. Maybe, you know, they, they you can't expect this perfect person to just materialize and then rule out everyone else. No. So what about the whole sort of initial thing about screening? Because there's a lot of automation around recruitment currently. And some <laughs> of the people that I know who are looking for roles that maybe in the past they might have actually had a chance of being interviewed for sort of don't end up getting seen because the words don't I guess jump out on their CV <laughs> that, that are required by the automation systems I, I don't know it, it, in some ways you can see that it could be a good thing on the other side it's, it's a bad thing what, what's your view on that so so I, I, I joke around <laughs> a lot and call it I call it ATS and the attack of the clones because <laughs> it's almost as if for every job spec you have to have you know these very same keywords that pop up that did machine and it can only read really um normal word documents or or you know um, t um rich text files it can't read mm -hmm. pdfs so if you have like this really well designed cv that you know just looks you know looks stunning and amazing and you've gone the extra mile this system can't it does not know what to do with you what it says is where is where is where do the word the keywords where are they if it doesn't understand the layout, it just marks an X and said, nope, that's not it. We're not looking for this. And then that's it. You're gone. You're ruled out. And and it's it's a tool. And I understand why the tool exists. It's like you say, it's screening. It's to get rid of, you know, the bad spelling, the, the you know, the, the chances, the people who are just applying, you know, scattergunning, applying for everything and not thinking about, it. OK, the job, the name of the job title isn't mentioned in here. Rule that out. I understand that. But. I just don't understand this 100% reliance on this system as opposed to being willing to be a human and actually look at a CV. You're hiring a person. You mm -hmm. can't ask a machine to do that for you. I, I just don't, I don't agree with it. But at the same time, like I said, if if it's a, a high, a very highly, pop, a highly popular job that you're receiving many, many applications, I understand the need to have something in place to automatically filter certain types of of application but i just don't think it should be the be all and end all and the only thing people rely on but it's interesting because you one of the things you sort of threw out as a as an example of criteria is um spelling and um of course you know 
you know, people have different views on spelling and some jobs need people to be able to spell properly. But mm-hmm. but actually that whole thing around dyslexia and, and people not being able to spell and yet being brilliant for a mm-hmm. particular job, you know, I guess in some cases they, you know, they wouldn't be using that as a criteria. But as you say, quite naturally, because you have the mm-hmm. computerised system, some people who, you know, aren't able to spell in the same way um, as people who, who have, you know, don't have dyslexia and so on, maybe sort of not considered um even though if you spoke to the recruiting people and said you know could somebody who has dyslexia do this job in lots of cases the answer would probably be yes yeah to to be fair to um the different ats systems i i I do want to to uh, make this point that i think they are made to understand slight um spelling mistakes but Mm -hmm. the problem is where it's tallying up the keywords if you don't have the exact verbiage it's looking for you're ruled mm. out and I think yes that's a that's a def that's always going to be a definite disadvantage to anyone who has any kind of learning dis um, learning disadvantage or disability mm. or has a problem elocuting that into one concise document but mm. then this is where it would be nice if people would pick up the phone or look at profiles or try to learn something about candidates instead of just off the bat dismissing them and then you know, it's the thing of generic feedback of you've just been unsuccessful. We can't tell you why it doesn't help anyone. And I think that's like a, a black eye from from the from the recruitment industry because mm-hmm. they're missing out on many people who are diligent, con- conscientious people who will, you know, add value to organizations. And then can we not say the same for the recruitment process in, you know, even historically, if we if we're interviewing people, Often we're expecting people to be, you know, personable and confident and and have good communication skills. Not and, you know, not always when that's required in the job. But but just because that seems like the sort of thing people should be good at. And again, that's that cuts out those people, as you say, that perhaps have skills in other areas like, I don't know, really strong skill in data analysis, but not particularly you know communication sort yes. of verbal communication but can write brilliant reports or, or whatever um so our systems ha- have always been flawed haven't they but then you see you make a good point there but then th- the way that kind of large-scale business is going now they make they make exceptions for these people they they work around these people you know right. I, I'm, I'm sure there are there are coders at facebook who you couldn't have a conversation with because they can't break down things to a level that you would understand. But I'm sure they don't care about that because this is an ace coder who can do what we need them to do. And then you put them in a situation where they can feel comfortable and they can succeed. You have people who are very good with numbers, but not necessarily people. Well, you, you know, you, again, you work with them to pick out an environment where that person is going to be able to thrive because actually they're very good at what they do. And it, it, it just boils down to, I think it's this, you know, the the level below that high that high level um, organizations. I think it's below there where everyone's very picky and very much looking to rule out people instead of trying to to work with people. But they're trying to grow and get somewhere else. So it's strange. They mm. see themselves as works in progress, but they want perfect people working for them. I don't understand that. It's a it's a misnomer. I, I read about an organization recently who 
recruit everybody that applies to them. They just add them to a queue. <laughs> and as the next job comes up, they get the job. Hey. And it's, you know, I don't know. I think it's a cleaning job or something. It's something where they don't need specific skills. They can be right. trained easily on the job. But nevertheless, they don't you know, create a load of hoops for them to, jo to jump through. They literally have to make an application and then they get hired at some stage. I thought it was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, I don't suppose you could apply that in most organizations where you do need, you know, different levels of knowledge yeah, and skill. But, of course. Mm, but but then it, it's well, I was going to say that the, the thing about everything to do with business or even just being human or disseminating an image, um, a, a message, I should say, not an image, is that other people's mistakes open a window for someone who gets it to come through and do something differently. And then other people learn and adapt. And, you know, I, I remember not too long ago, businesses didn't see a need for websites. And, you know, now everybody has to have a website. Same thing when computers first came in, people never saw a need for them. Same thing with social media and, you know, all these other tools that first people say, no, nope, we don't need that. And then eventually they open their minds and they realize, oh my gosh, we were being left behind because we were not thinking ahead. I think with the hiring practices and processes, they need to start thinking ahead because where they're at right now is not a good place because like I said, too many people who have skills and have something to offer are being left firmly behind and, and it's for no good reason because there's definitely a need for these people. Mm. And I guess, I mean, you know, recruiting, you know vacancy there are less vacancies you know there's a skill shortage and, and all that sort of thing so um we need to be as open as possible in our recruitment mm -hmm. i guess how, mm -hmm. so how do you think organizations should be recruiting to make sure that it isn't around hive mind it's not about getting just people that we like and it's not about you know sort of limiting ourselves because we've ended up with people like us so i'm sure it will it will depend on the type of organization and and the type of skills they require but I guess that the basic thing is just looking at these job specs for a start and just getting rid of these these all-encompassing job specs that have like this um, you, there's 50 50 things that you need to tick off and it's like no person is ever going to have more than 35 anyone that says they have above that is lying but then <laughs> you, you you know it's just get, get rid of the, un, the un, just cut the fat get rid of anything that doesn't necessarily belong in a job spec and then understand that you need different types of candidates, not just the same one all the time. If it's if it's all the same, the same, the same, what you'll keep getting is every few years, the same people will leave or the same people will move on. You won't get anything different. You won't create any new, you're not gonna break any new ground hiring the same person over and over and over. So I, I think, you know, and again, it's easy to speak when you're looking from the outside in, but mm -hmm. mostly just having you know, sitting down and, you know, just kind of looking at your, your, your recruitment practices and keeping them up to date and just realizing that some of the things that you're saying you require aren't actually necessary to the job. I guess yeah. that's the, the, the best way of, or the, the, maybe one of the fairest ways. And then, you know, the rest of it comes down to who's actually doing, you know, the hiring and and you know and, and painting the the company in the best light and you look at the people that represent the company in those in those capacities uh, if you if you're if you're taking keeping tabs on that i guess you end up you know by trial and error with a process that's a lot more like you you couldn't ever call it fair because you know like you say not everyone that applies is going to get the job but it can be more inclusive i guess is a better term 
Mm-hmm. And that's what really what people will be looking for, because at least, you know, if this one isn't for you, the idea is you're, you, it shouldn't be so much of a slog to find a job that is for you. Yeah. And just be, just be, just be decent, decent human beings, giving feedback and, you know, actually, if you see something that can be improved, I don't see where the issue is with communicating that to people. I guess it's that thing about being really clear about what the absolute essentials are for a role as well. So that if, you know, if you want a diverse thinker and that's vital for that role, then you have to understand that that means you're going to have somebody who's a bit different and doesn't follow the crowd. In which case that, as you've said, is perhaps somebody who's perhaps harder to manage, isn't the usual type of person that you would be choosing through an interview process. But actually, that's in fact, I was I was reading a book the other week and it was somebody who had 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 a brain um, uh, an accident where she had brain damage years ago. And then she went eventually got back into the workforce and she applied right. to be an HR director for a big bank um, internationally. And mm-hmm. the last question they asked her was, do you like people? And she said no. And he went, oh, that's good. Right. You're hired. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a former HR person in the HR sort of space for the employee engagement thing, it it, it made me laugh because um, sometimes, you know, you sort of wonder if some of the HR people do actually like people, but then, you know, I said, but, but, but it does, yeah, exactly. But it also does beg the question, actually, you know, sometimes when you're you're in a, a sort of HR people role, if you absolutely, you know, love the whole people bit of it, as you say, I mean, you know, flippantly we say oh, it makes it easier to do the job, but how do you challenge people and and you know make difficult decisions and you know perhaps restructure organizations and, and make people redundant, all that sort of stuff, you know, in the right way when if if you know your love of people is so high, and I'm not saying you should hate people to be an HR person at all, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe that wasn't such a silly question for for somebody going into that particular role in that particular organisation. I, you know, you don't know, but I've, it's interesting. Maybe it's to shake up the department, keep them all honest. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly so. And the other thing, I keep sort of remembering things I've read recently. I also um, I listened to a podcast and Marcus Buckingham, who's um, ex Gallup, was talking about culture. So going back to what we said at the beginning about culture and he talked about in organizations talk about the culture in this organization and he said that is sort of complete rubbish he said really culture is within people and teams so mm-hmm. you could have you know like a thousands of people in your organization and and you know a hundred different cultures because it's about that team that work together day in day out um, and that might be different to somewhere else in which case having one way or one type of person to recruit wouldn't mm-hmm. fit with that either would it I, I agree because I, I was going to say that you know when when with ref, with reference to culture, it's not as if, well, depending on the size of the organization, it's not usual for upper management to be mixing it with you know kind of front end staff. So you know how 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 can we how can we gauge that the culture is the same exactly? And you're right, it it, it that's why I say that sometimes it it ends up being just coded language. It's just a way of keeping out the people that they don't necessarily want to be working with it's not sorry it didn't fit our culture and it's like well Mm. you know what does culture actually mean can you define it and if so why isn't it on your job spec that wasn't on there didn't you know you didn't define your culture on your job spec you know and then they'll say things like they you know they have a friendly team and 
this friend friendly is should be so the opposite of friendly would be hostile as long as you're not hostile <laughs> potentially you're friendly so you know this this kind of yeah I, I i have culture is one of those words when i come across in 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 employment terms that sort of gets me to shake my head and roll my eyes yes yeah. Yeah. that and the, that and the term leverage i think it's just overused <laughs> and it doesn't really mean much i don't like pivot <laughs> so, so just to sort of reflect on that what we're really saying actually is we need to make our lives difficult as recruiting managers we need to potentially recruit people who we maybe don't like and we don't want to manage and we find difficult to manage potentially in order to create that diversity within our team uh, that... no i'm saying no? The, the the underlining the underlining um factor here should be competence can yeah. they do the job if if the answer is yes but they come with some you know you, you have things you might have to work around or finesse or help them with i'm just saying it's not it shouldn't be seen as oh my gosh this is absolutely a non-starter it's too hard no it should be yeah. like hang on they have the competencies is there a way that we can work with this person obviously while keeping an eye out for your ideal candidate which everyone has and there will be some amount of preconceived um ideas of who you should be hiring and you know we're human beings so we will tend to follow some form of pattern but i'm just mm -hmm. saying the more you kind of look for these perfect people it's the worse you make the recruiting process for everyone else and that's kind of what job seekers resent it's because there's no parity and a lot of times people aren't they're not just applying just for the sake of it a lot of times people have considered what the, you know what they bring to an organization before making the application so mm -hmm. I think it's only fair on the other side of it that organizations actually, you know, look closer and say, well, you know, can they do the job? And if so, mm -hmm. then, you know, you should at least have them in consideration. Hmm, interesting. And I guess, you know, the the, the other side to, to, to that argument is the organizations where they say that they recruit for cultural fit and then they worry about giving people the skills and the competence sort of after. And um, mm -hmm. I guess we could have done a whole show of that and argued the point positively you know on in that way as well where, where we've done sort of the opposite so yeah. it, it, it's you know I suppose an ongoing debate just just with the last couple of minutes of the show where has your interest in this come is there a story there uh, a yeah. <laughs> so essentially I I use I use LinkedIn quite a bit it's become one of my one of my favorite platforms um to look at because I again I get to communicate with people from loads of different industries with lots of different skills and that's all kind of exciting and interesting and a chance for me to see different type of content but mm. then when it comes to recruitment employment job seeking it pretty much reads the same all the time so it kind of you know it made me kind of sit back and go you know because a lot of what this what is being shared on the platform are these platitudes of this is what you need to do and you know go this extra mile and you know um just it's always putting the onus on the job seeker and i'm like hang on a second you know these people are skilled they're conscientious they're hard working and I, I can see examples of what they're capable of and they're doing everything to put themselves in the best possible light then they mm -hmm. go to a recruitment function and then they're pretty much being told that nope it just doesn't work and it's for these like really flimsy reasons with no kind of logic behind them and that almost like hurt my feelings because I was like, well, if I was in their position, I'd be very, very angry. Mm. So 
and then what they get is these you know people using the platform to tell them oh no 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 this isn't it you can be doing 150 percent more to make yourself hireable and a lot of what they're telling you to do is not be yourself and i'm like well that's not great advice so someone needs to say something about this someone needs to speak up and a lot of the time again when you use that platform and you say something that not everyone else is going with it can go one of two ways but you know fortunately for me when I say something it's wrapped in in logic or it's wrapped in you know clear examples where you can see that look this hasn't been happening and if it was happening this way I wouldn't need to say anything so that's kind Mm. of what what's kind of prompted me towards speaking about this stuff Mm, you know care for job seekers (laughs) lovely I think that's a great line to end on so thanks Jay thanks for joining me no problem at all thank you Joe thank you for having me and just let you know, next week, Joan Moffat's back and she's with Sean Harrington of The People Space. And they're talking about the eight attributes of the future fit HR leader and the need for HR to start investing in itself more. And I don't imagine one of those is going to be that they don't like people. So <laughs> joining you next week.